The Truth News Network. Stories on the left, stories on the right, battling it out for your mind. In the end, there can be only one. The Truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. And your gladiator in armor is Dan Newman. So what about this truth thing? You still on the quest to figure out the truth as compared to the false stuff in your life and all those that are purveying one or the other? Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to TNN Live, our midweek edition getting set for a happy new year uh, atmosphere, a new year, brand new doors to open, (laughs) brand new walls to kick down too, right? We have no idea what's ahead of us for 2022. But I tell you what, instead of panicking and worrying about what's ahead because you can't see it, you can't understand it, you don't know what's there, novel idea. Why don't we just trust God and believe that God's got it under control? Whether it's good or bad, at the end of it all, he wins. And don't you want to be on the winning side? That should be the number one thing we concentrate on when we face all of the roadblocks, all the hurdles, all of the bad news that we get every day. Yeah, some of it's truthful. Bad things happen to good people. We know that. We're not uh, insulated from negative things that happen. Many of those we can't understand. We don't know why and how the process ended up at our door with all these bad things that happened. They do. But life goes on. C.W. Jackson My Sunday school teacher, my senior year in high school, he had a great saying that has stuck with me through all these years. And it's simple. Here's what he said. When you're tempted to look at something and you want to go, oh me, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to be able to figure it out? He said, ask this one question. What difference is this going to make a hundred years from now? If you objectively back away and just think that through, none of it's going to make a big difference. So just live today, plan. I'm not saying don't plan. Don't put any things in place to get you some specific direction that you feel you need to go. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is when the unexpected comes and kind of pushes you off course, don't worry about it. Don't panic. And don't just roll up in a ball and start crying, woe is me. That's not going to solve anything. But what solves everything is when you make plans, you get truth, you build your life based solely on factual information, and then you move on one day at a time. One good thing about being a Christian, God's on the hook for your needs. Did you know that? He promised that if we serve him, he will provide for our needs, not according to our needs, but according to his riches in heaven. That's a pretty big promise. So you don't have to get upset when you don't win the Powerball or the Mega Million or whatever your state lottery calls itself. You don't have to worry about that. God said he would provide for your needs. Not according to your needs, but according to what he has to provide to us. I'd rather go down that road. 
Speaking of going down some roads, let me give you some new news about TNN Live. I got a couple of emails during the evening yesterday about our show being picked up by a couple of other podcast distributors. Stitcher, who I'd never heard of, Stitcher has picked up and is carrying our podcast. Also, iHeartRadio. So what that means is all of the TNN Live shows every day, just minutes after each show is over live, these places are picking up and putting it on their distribution list. And you can find, if you miss a live show, you can go to Apple Podcast. You can go to Google Podcast. You can go to Spotify Podcast. Now, iHeartRadio and Stitcher. And all you do in the search thing is enter TNN Live. That's the name of this show. And it'll bring up a whole index of all of our shows over the last couple of months. And always the most recent show is up at the top. You can listen, you can download, whatever, but you never have to miss a show. And I encourage you to do that. And also I encourage you to tell a few folks about it. It's amazing how many texts and emails we're getting here. People are saying, we never knew you were out there. You're a different voice. You come up with some different ideas, and they're always truth-centered, and we like that. That's pretty much the theme that rings true pretty much everywhere we go. Thank you so much for being a part of this. It's been a journey, and we're not anywhere near the end of the journey. But what we're doing is every day peeling back some of the layers of disruption and fear and mis- and gross misrepresentation of things and trying to get to the truth. Well, we've got a lot to cover here today. I could just sit here and talk about all of the issues that we're going to bring to you, but let me tell you what's ahead. You're going to hear Rand Paul, Dr. Rand Paul, Senator from Kentucky, and George Stephanopoulos. Those two go head to head. And folks, it's something I was excited to see and hear happen when I came across it. It actually happened live Christmas Eve, but of course, who was watching television on Christmas Eve? I mean, we were doing all kind of family things, weren't we? A lot of people missed it, but you don't want to miss it this time. Also, Sean Duffy, former congressman, he weighs in on how the American people are feeling about Joe Biden and the job that he's done so far and what's ahead there. And then, of course, you're going to hear, in fact, you're going to hear right now from one of the in-the-tank Joe Biden economists who said this yesterday. It's only 26 seconds long. You'll probably spit up whatever you have in your mouth. So chew it up real quick before I play this for you. This one, I didn't know whether I should scream and holler with laughter or just SMH, shake my head. Listen to this. You know, under this president's leadership, he has overseen the greatest resurgence in an economy in his first year in office, you know, greater than any other president that we know of. So what I believe is we, we just have to stay at it and continue to create good jobs, continue to unstick the supply chain, continue to get folks vaccinated. And over time, people will start to feel better about that. Um, over time? People are going to start to feel better about that. Did you get the whole context of how much crap she filled in in that 24-second soundbite? If you missed it, listen again. 
You know, under this president's leadership, he has overseen the greatest resurgence in an economy in his first year in office, you know, greater than any other president that we know of. So what I believe is we, we just have to stay at it and continue to create good jobs, continue to unstick the supply chain, continue to get folks vaccinated, and over time, people will start to feel better about that. Um, so what, are, what would you like to ask her? If she was sitting in front of you right now, what would you like to ask her? First of all, one thing popped out to me, she said he's done a greater job than any president that we know of. <laughs> how many how many presidents have there been that we don't know of? We've lived through most of them, and we also we're pretty good at recognizing the good things and uh, making the comparisons to the bad things and coming up and believing and trusting in the good things. You know what I mean? I can't believe somebody would actually say that on a television show, a national television show. Saddest of all, folks, I think she really believes that. I think she really believes this first line that she said. You know, under this president's leadership, he has overseen the greatest resurgence in an economy in his first year in office, you know, greater than any other president that we know of. Greater than any other president that we know of. I am glad I don't live in the world that she thinks that she lives in, a world of reality. You know, it brings up a point there. Yeah, bad things happen to good people. Everything doesn't work out all the time. Marriages don't work out. Businesses don't work out. Uh, Relationships between people when you're trying to make friends don't necessarily always work out. There are financial problems. There are financial disasters, health problems, and health disasters. Some of you are in the midst of all of those things right now. Bad things happen to good people. We could spend the show, the entire show, talking about the specifics of bad things that have happened to people that those people don't deserve. Just because something bad happens to you doesn't always mean that you've done something wrong or made bad choices. Sometimes bad things just happen. Good people understand that and don't spend all their time staying in one place. You know, waking up one day and finding out your wife is leaving or your husband's leaving. You don't just stay right there. Now, you don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying you don't grieve, that you don't try to fix things with those people. You don't try to work on the circumstances and see if there's any way to salvage them. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is on the other side of it, there's something better there. And instead of being focused totally on the mountain that's right in front of us, It helps if we just think about what's on the other side of the mountain. All i got to do is get through the mountain. You don't have to always climb over the mountain. Sometimes you can have the strength, garner the fortitude to just push right through it. All that matters, folks, is getting to the other side. We determine if we're successful when we push through. That's what we decide. Often, we have people in our lives that will come in and tell us, Oh, if you're going to make it, you got to do this, or don't you dare do that, or you're going to fail. You're going to fall flat on your face. You 
determine your success and your losses. You determine when it's time to write them off. That's all up to you. And different people have different uh, levels, different points in their lives where they stop something and they move on or they just keep digging. What I pray for often is for discernment, which is a spiritual gift that allows us to grab in the midst of all the chaos and the deflection and the distractions to grab the truth and make a determination based on the truth rather than basing it on the emotions that surround these horrible things. Think about the last year, the last two years. Think about the hundreds of thousands of people who have lost loved ones from health issues. Just think about the COVID-19 deaths. Think about the paralysis. Think about the horrible reactions that people have had to these miracle vaccines that have turned out not to be so miraculous. We didn't tell you yesterday about the latest VAERS COVID vaccine adverse events reports, the numbers. Here you go. I'll capsulate them for you just real briefly. Reported deaths, 20,622. 108,000 hospitalizations, 107,000 visits to the urgent care centers, 153,000 doctor office visits, 86,000 anaphylaxis cases, 12,000 cases of Bell's palsy, 3,300 miscarriages, 10,000 heart attacks, 21,000 cases of myocarditis or pericarditis, 35,000 Americans permanently disabled, not from COVID-19, but from the vaccinations. From the vaccinations. And that 20,000 number, in fact, the numbers of each of these, we are told and more emphatically giving information every week now that these numbers that the CDC publishes, the CDC themselves say they're way, way, way short of the factual numbers. These are only the ones that are officially reported to the CDC that far more in multiples of as many as 41 times represent the actual numbers. Are you going to get caught up in that? Are you going to let those numbers rule your life? Are we going to just constantly walk around saying or acting like or feeling like the sky is falling and we're going to die? Well, yeah, we are all going to die. Unless God comes back before we die, we're all going by the way of the grave. But we don't have to go because of bad choices that are made by healthcare and political leaders who give us bad information. And more and more every day, it seems more likely that we are purposely being given some bad information. Very quietly, in the still of last night, we got a little news about the CDC. Very quietly, the CDC significantly reduced its estimate for how prevalent the Omicron variant is here in the United States, saying that the new variant, Oh, it was only responsible for 22% of the new cases 
in the week that ended December 18th. Not the alarming 73.2% that it had told us just a week before. For the week that ended Christmas Day, the CDC says Omicron accounted for 58% of all new cases. Jasmine Reed, who's a spokesperson for the CDC, noted there was a wide predictive interval posted in last week's chart, and the downward revision was partly due to the speed at which Omicron was increasing. CDC's models have a range, and we're still seeing steady increase in the proportion of Omicron. In some regions in the country, Omicron accounts for plus or minus 90% or more of cases. Dr. Jerome Adams, the former Surgeon General in the Trump administration, he explained that this revision was likely partly due to a responder bias caused by a testing quirk with Omicron called S-gene dropout. I don't know what the heck that means, but Dr. Adams said that's part of this problem. In it, one of the three target genes is not detected by the current test. When that gene's not showing up, it can be an immediate marker for Omicron. A lot of people were seeing this S dropout on the test even before they got the follow-up generic testing. And so those samples were disproportionately more likely to be sent in for sequencing. That's all medical gobbledygook. Just cut to the chase. They messed up. They gave us bad numbers. Now put that in perspective of, of what's been going on in your life, folks. These are the people that tell us over and over and over again in half for a couple of years, we know everything. We know everything there is to know about COVID-19 and how to treat it. And if you listen to anybody else about any possible way to handle this, you're, you're stone cold stupid. I mean, that's just the fact. We know it all. And yet, day after day, week after week, month after month, We finally hear, uh uh-oh, what we told you, we were wrong. No, they don't say that. What we do hear is somebody from outside of that bureaucratic, elitist, healthcare bureaucracy circle that is a real expert comes to us and says, you know what, this doesn't add up. They're feeding us some crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Let me give an example of where the rubber meets the road. Hadn't heard anything about what I'm going to tell you right now. Out in California, nurses in Ventura County began blowing the whistle last week on an alarming rise in heart problems, in strokes, and blood clotting in vaccinated patients. Adding that the doctors refused to even consider the problems could be Adverse reactions to the COVID shots. One critical care nurse told the Conejo Guardian, a newspaper, that there has been a surge in the number of young people experiencing severe health problems after they get COVID vaccines. We've been having a lot of younger people come in, she said. We're seeing a lot of strokes, a lot of heart attacks. The nurse detailed how one 38-year-old woman came to the hospital with occlusions, which is, that's terminology for blockages of blood flow, in her brain. The doctors were seen documenting this 
in the chart, but nowhere do you see if she was vaccinated or not. One thing the vaccine causes is thrombosis, which is blood clots. Here you have a 38-year-old woman who was double vaccinated. She's having strokes that they can't explain. None of the doctors relates it to the vaccine. It's garbage. It's absolute garbage, she said. The nurse reported coming forward because I'm tired of all the BS that's going on. It's crazy how nobody questions anything anymore. Although hospitals are seeing more myocarditis, an associated side effect of the COVID jabs, the nurse said everyone wants to downplay it. They say, it's rare, it's rare. Doctors will not even question it. We have these mass vaccinations happening. We're seeing myocarditis more frequently. Nobody wants to raise the red flag. When we discuss a case, they won't even talk about it. They don't mention it. They act like they don't have a reason, that it's just spontaneous. One ICU nurse told the same newspaper that the number of sick, critically ill people in her Ventura County Hospital has become overwhelming, pushing her facility's patient census to the highest level she has ever seen. It's never been this busy. And none of it, listen to this, folks, none of it, she says, is COVID-19 related. We don't normally see this number of strokes, aneurysms, heart attacks, all happening at once. Normally, we'll see six to ten aortic dissections a year. We've seen six in the last month. It's crazy. Those have very high rates of mortality. But doctors almost never bring up the possibility of adverse reactions due to COVID vaccination, she said. Doctors are like, it'll probably just be because of the holidays. I don't understand how you can look at what's going on and come up with just, yeah, it's the holidays. There's been a big change in everybody's life. And it's not COVID-19. This is an ICU nurse. She said it's not because of COVID-19. It's because of the vaccinations. While doctors seem to go out of their way to suppress discussions about these adverse reactions to the vaccines, they have no problem pressuring people to take the shots. The same critical nurse said this, it's not really a vaccine. It's experimental, she said. They shouldn't be forcing it on everyone. There isn't a lot of data. There are risks associated with it, and you should be able to turn it down. Now, if you don't take the vaccine, people shun you, especially in the healthcare profession. Hostility toward those who don't go along runs really high among medical co-workers, she said. Quote, you're not allowed to say you don't want it. Co-workers will talk trash about you. They're so adamant about it. It's frustrating. You always hear the conversations behind your back. She's not vaccinated, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, who gives a SHIT? It's none of your business. It's their business, their choice. Before, medical information was really private. You know that HIPAA thing? Now it's like, what's your COVID status? Even patients coming into the hospital who have not taken the COVID shots are flagged and treated with disdain. The nurse said this. The first thing nurses say in the history and physical is, he's not vaccinated. He's got COVID. 
but the COVID numbers in the ICU, listen to this, at this big hospital in California, the COVID numbers in the ICU here is zero. Zero. Do you think you'll hear anybody address this specific report coming from Ventura County, California? I mean, what you just heard, some really bad stuff happening to people. And it's not because of COVID-19, the virus. It's because of COVID-19, the vaccines and adverse reactions. And then you have Joe Biden in the White House. Oh, everybody's got to get jabbed. Everybody's got to get jabbed. For you unvaxxed people, you're going to have a winner of death and destruction. That's the President of the United States. Mr. Promise everything while I'm campaigning and do nothing I promised when I'm elected President. That's Joe Biden for us. Five COVID-19 promises that he hasn't fulfilled in his first year. Five, just five. There are more, but we'll just stick to these. Number one, a year from now, life will be normal. He said this last December. Quote, by next Christmas, we'll be in a very different circumstance. A year from now, I think there will be significantly fewer people having to socially distance having to wear a mask, etc. Fast forward to ah, yesterday. The Omicron variant metastasized, became the dominant strain in the U.S., according to the CDC, causing Democrat-controlled cities to implement mask and van- vaccine mandates again. A year from now, life will be normal. <laughs> it's anything but normal now. Number two. I'm going to shut down the virus. Biden promised at least 10 times while he was campaigning. We found 10. That means there are probably another 20 or 30 times out there that he was going to shut down the virus. But during his first 11 months as POTUS, the Delta, the Omicron variants reached American shores caused more deaths under Biden than under Donald Trump's presidency, despite Joe Biden having the vaccines. Donald Trump did not. Even the establishment media now is blasting Joe Biden for his mission-accomplished moment declaring victory over COVID-19. Biden even accused Trump for failing to protect the nation from COVID deaths at the Democrat National Convention. You remember this? He said, our current president has failed in his most basic duty to the nation. He's failed to protect us. He's failed to protect America. And my fellow Americans, that is unforgivable. That's number two. Number three of five. Quote, no, I don't think vaccines should be mandatory. He said that on December 4th, 2020, that vaccines should not become mandatory. Biden's administration also repeatedly said Biden would not mandate vaccines. 
No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand it to be mandatory, he said. But I'll do everything in my power as President of the United States to encourage people to do the right thing. And when they do it, demonstrate that it matters. Yet Biden broke his word. Remember in September, he mandated vaccines for employees working for a business with 100 employees or more. Upon announcing that mandate, Biden accused the unvaccinated of costing all of us. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin, and your refusal has cost all of us. So please, do the right thing, he said. But just don't take it from me. Listen to the voices of the unvaccinated Americans who are lying in hospital beds, taking their final breaths, saying, If only I had been vaccinated. If only. Number four, I'm going to ask the public for 100 days to mask. He said that December 2020, he said he would ask Americans to wear a mask for 100 days. Not forever. Just 100 days, he reiterated. But he moved the goalpost every month or so. Biden had already stated in August of 2020 that every single American should be wearing a mask when they're outside for the next three months. And again in November of this year, Biden pleaded with Americans to wear your mask when you are indoors. That's number four. Number five, I will improve the availability of tests. He promised on February 17th of this year to improve the availability of tests. On March 11th, just a month, a month later, He said he would continue to work on making at-home testing available. We're going to deploy things like testing to expand detection of the virus. He promised again on July 6th. But during an interview just before Christmas with ABC News' David Muir, Biden admitted the Omicron variant had exploited his inaction on developing test availability. If you go to the pharmacy, we hear this over and over again. Empty shelves, no test kits. Is that a failure? David Muir asked Biden. I don't think it's a failure, Biden replied. I think it's, you could argue that we should have known a year ago, six months ago, two months ago, a month ago. I wish I had thought about ordering 500 million at-home tests two months ago. Joe said that. He admitted he had broken his promise. So on that score, folks, he's over five. Those were promises he made. You know something that puzzles me, and it's not just about this, but what really puzzles me about our elected officials, they are either stupid, so stupid, that they don't care that everything they say, everything they write, everything they say, is public information. There's YouTube. Everybody's camera has a high definition. Everybody's phone has a high definition camera in it. Everything they do 24-7, it's going to be reported. And so therefore, so many of them are so accustomed before this technology allowed this kind of stuff to happen, they did it and were never called out later. If you 
heard somebody say something and you forgot exactly the context in which it was said, but you knew they promised something, don't even remember for sure when in the past, you were just lost. They could tell you if you brought it up and said, here's what you said. Show me where I said that. I didn't say that. Nowadays, we can show them. But what's amazing and puzzling to me is many on the left, they don't care about that. It's like it's okay if you lie, if you grossly misrepresent the truth or facts, if you're a political leftist. But don't you dare even stumble over something if you're a conservative. That proves that you are brothers and sisters to Satan himself. You're evil. Using that measure, folks, <laughs> there aren't many people out there that have a chance of eternal life <laughs> in the other place. We all make mistakes. We all mess up. It's willfully doing it, premeditatedly doing it over and over again that the American people will never accept. Now, does that mean other people that are doing the same things are evil, or is it just because they're political people? It's only those people that got to be called out. No, we all should. Matter of fact, we all should never be called out for anything we do like that because we should never be doing it. It's a conscious decision to violate the trust of the people that you lie to. You remember all those months ago during Adam Schiff's rise to power? You know, he got to the highest level in government, or so he thinks he did, because he got approved by Nancy Pelosi. He's her favorite nephew kind of guy in California. He's her boy. You can't say that, Dan. That's a racist thing. No, it's not. It's two white people, Nancy and Adam. You remember that rise? He told lie after lie after lie, whopper after whopper, grossly misrepresented all kinds of things, violated federal law numerous times by transferring confidential classified information to others, which is a felony. He never got called out. After all these lies, it just blew my mind. I came up in a household where my mom and dad, they made you tell the truth. And if you ever lied, you were going to pay a very egregious price for telling the lie. If you lied about something that you did, they wouldn't punish you for what you did, but they'd beat the dog snot out of us for lying about it. I'm not saying that getting whippings is a good thing necessarily in every case. What I am saying is we need to think about going back to our previous generation's process of holding people accountable when they do lie to us. And I'm not just talking about the Adam Schiff's of the world. I'm talking about everybody around us. It's okay. And then a couple of years ago, we got this excuse method justified and made okay by the mainstream media. What's that thing, Dan? Well, I've got my truth. You have your truth. Just because both of us think our truth is the ultimate truth doesn't mean it is. So I'm just going to stick to my truth. You stick to yours. 
that was created to justify this thing that we're talking about. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. There's the truth, and then there's the lie. There's no gray in between, folks. I once heard somebody explain and describe and define what the, the word or the, the phrase little white lie means. <laughs> and the description that I got was somebody calls your house that you really don't want to hear from or talk to and your wife answers the phone. She's over in the kitchen and she sticks her head out and said, hey, honey, it's Joe. He wants to talk to you. You know, Joe. And you very quietly say, tell him I'm not here. And so she tells Joe, you're not there. And then she comes to you and confronts you. Why did you have me lie to Joe? And your excuse is, well, that was a little white lie. And she says, what do you mean a little white lie? That was a lie. Well, it technically wasn't a lie. You told him I wasn't here. Well, you were standing in the kitchen. I was sitting across the den. So it wasn't a lie. Folks, that's the world in which we live right now. There's an excuse for everything, not a reason. There's a justification sometimes that's a lie itself. And as long as we allow that to be okay, you have no right to expect to be given the truth. You're making a world by just benignly accepting that process where you're not going to be hearing the truth from people. If it makes them look bad or it doesn't reach whatever their purpose and their decision for making those lies and telling those lies, we'll never get it straightened out. Black is black, white is white, and it's time that we Americans demand that not only from our political leaders, folks, but demand it from ourselves. We're in this thing too. We've got to be straight with people. We've got to reject the process of lying. And about all that, folks, we're not done yet. Our first break, when we come back, I want you to make sure you are here. You're going to hear Rand Paul get right up in the middle of George Stephanopoulos, the most self-righteous person. I cannot understand, I cannot grasp why ABC has kept Stephanopoulos in their corner all these years. He's not a good journalist. He's not a journalist at all. He's a political hack. He got his big, big start in the Clinton administration. He was Bill's favorite son, so to speak. And of course, what that makes you, automatically, you're a journalist. If you're a leftist, you support leftist policies and a leftist president's administration, you're a guy that needs to be out front talking to the American people. Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, Dr. Rand Paul, takes Stephanopoulos on. You don't want to miss this. Up next at TNN Live. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, 
Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yep, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. You remember this song, Walk Like an Egyptian? Man, things were different in the 70s and 80s, music-wise, weren't they? That was an interesting song. I don't know who wrote it. Uh, I remember the group of the four females. It, can I say that? Females singers? What should I say? Four, uh, four singers. Four attractive singers. Four pretty I, I I don't know what's politically correct. I don't want to get any nasty text or emails because I'm talking about walk like an Egyptian and I'm a sexist because I did. Anyway. Rand Paul, I have a lot of respect for him. I have somebody very close to me that is going to be his next um, campaign spokesperson, be his uh, assistant. And um, what you see and hear, what you're about to hear from Senator Rand Paul, according to this young man that I've known for his entire life, is absolutely true. He is an in-your-face, don't paint it, just let it be what it really is person. George Stephanopoulos, um, not so much. So here's Rand Paul with George Stephanopoulos. And they're not talking about COVID, folks. This is Christmas Eve. They're talking about 2020, the election. We're going to go back to that, Dan. I think you'll hear why we're going back to that right now. Listen to this back. This is probably as hard as I've ever heard George Stephanopoulos go after somebody. Rand Paul doesn't take it sitting down. Uh, Senator Paul, let me begin with a threshold question for you. Uh, 
this election was not stolen. Do you accept that fact? Well, what I would say is that the debate over whether or not there was fraud should occur. We never had any presentation in court where we actually looked at the evidence. Most of the cases were thrown out uh, for lack of standing, which is a procedural way of not actually hearing the question. There were several states in which the law was changed by the Secretary of State and not the state legislature. To me, those are clearly unconstitutional. And I think there's, a, there's still a chance that those actually do finally work their way up to the Supreme Court. Courts traditionally and historically don't like to hear election questions. But yes, were there people who voted twice? Were there dead people who voted? Were there illegal aliens who voted? Yes, and we should get to the bottom of it. I'll give you an example. In my state, when we had a Democrat Secretary of State, she refused, even under federal order, to purge the rolls of illegal voters. We got a Republican Secretary of State, and he purged the rolls. But, Senator it Paul, does I make have a to, difference, I, and those things I, I have, have to, to stop occur. you there. there no, no, no election is perfect, but there, there were 86 challenges filed by President Trump and his allies in court. All were dismissed. Every state certified the results after investigations, counts, and recounts. The De Department of Justice, led by William Barr, said there's no widespread evidence of fraud. Can't you just say the words, this yeah. election was well, not what stolen? I would suggest is, what I would suggest is that if we want greater confidence in our elections, and 75% of Republicans agree with me, is that we do need to look at inte election integrity, and we do need to see if we can uh, restore confidence in the elections. Well, 75% of Republicans agree with you because they were fed a big lie by President Trump and his supporters who say the election was stolen. Why can't you say well, I think where President you make, Biden I think, won a I think where you make a mistake in, uh, Hey, George, 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 where you make a mistake is that people coming from the liberal side like you, you immediately say everything's a lie instead of saying there are two sides to everything. Historically, what would happen is if I said that I thought there was fraud, you would interview someone else who said there wasn't. But now you insert yourself in the middle and say that the absolute well, fact is that everything I'm saying is a lie. Well, because, I say Senator, I said what the president fact, said was a lie because to. he said, hold we're on a second. To. He said the election was stolen. This election was not stolen. This the results were certified in every you're single saying, state you're after saying, counts you're and saying, recounts. You're saying that absolutely it was, you're saying there was no fraud and it's all been investigated. And that's just not true. So it's not what I said, sir. I said the Department of Justice found no evidence. Let me, let me finish. finish my point. No, you say you said lie. something that was you, not true. You say we're all liars. You're just simply saying we're all liars. And I said it was a lie that the election was stolen. Premise that you're right and we're wrong. Well, let, no. Well, let's let's talk about the specifics of it. In Wisconsin, tens of thousands of absentee votes had only the name on them and no address. Historically, those were thrown out this time. They weren't. They made special accommodations because they said, oh, it's a pandemic, and people forgot what their address was. So they changed the law after the fact. That is wrong. That's unconstitutional. And I plan on spending the next two years going around state to state and fixing these problems. And I won't be cowed by liberals in the media who say, there's no evidence here, and you're a liar if you talk about election fraud. No, let's have an open debate. It's a free country. It, there's, there is no widespread evidence of election fraud that overturned the results. That was stated as well by the Department of Justice, led by President Trump's attorney general. In Wisconsin, there were counts and recounts. Actually, it was the never studied. That, even that's certified. not true. Even that's not true. Even William that's Barr not said true. that directly. Barr said that. But there was, 
Yes, he said that. Yes, that was a pronouncement. There has been no examination, thorough examination of all the states to see what problems we had and see if they could fix them. Now, let me say, to be clear, I voted to certify the state electors because I think it would be wrong for Congress to overturn that. But at the same time, I'm not willing just to sit here and say, oh, everybody on the Republican side is a liar and there is no fraud. No, there were lots of problems and there were secretaries of state who illegally changed the law and that needs to be fixed. And I'm going to work hard to fix it. And I won't be cowed by people saying, oh, you're a liar. That's the problem with the media today is they say all Republicans are liars and everything we say is a lie. There are two sides to every story. Interview somebody on the other side, but don't insert yourself into the story to say we're all liars because we there, some fraud there, in the election. There are, not, there, are not two, there are not two sides of the story. This has been looked at in every single state. The election oh, sure there are. certified there are in every single state. There are two sides to every state. story. George, you're forgetting who you are. You're forgetting who you are as a journalist. If you think there's only one side, you're inserting yourself into the story to say, I'm a liar because I want to look at election fraud and I want to look at secretaries of state who illegally change the voter laws without the permission of their state legislatures. That is incontrovertible. It happened. And you can't just sweep that under the rug and say, oh, nothing to see here. And everybody's a liar. And you're a fool if you bring this up. You're inserting yourself into the story. A journalist I'm, would hear both sides, and there are two sides to this story. I'm, sta I'm standing by facts. There are not two sides to facts. I did not say there, that this was a perfect election. I said it was. the results were certified. I said it was not stolen. It is You're a saying lie to people say people are liars. You're stolen. saying people are liars if they want to investigate what happened in the election. Should That's we not investigate what I said. the fact that tens of thousands of absentee ballots did not have addresses on them and normally were disqualified, but this time they were counted? Should we examine that? I don't know whether it affected the election or not, but I have an open mind. And if we actually examine this, we find out it didn't, that's fine, but it still should be fixed. There, there can be more investigations. The investigations that have taken place have shown there is not enough fraud to change the results of this election. That has been certified by every state. It was stated by the Justice Department and the Attorney General. And I accepted the state certifications, but it doesn't mean that I think that there wasn't fraud and that there weren't problems that have to be investigated, and it doesn't mean that the law wasn't broken. I believe in Pennsylvania they broke the law, and I believe if that ever would get a real hearing in the Supreme Court, it was denied for standing. It wasn't actually taken up. If it were taken up, I do believe that the Supreme Court would overrule and say that they did break the law illegally. I asked you a very simple question. Was the election stolen or not? I think there was a great deal of evidence of uh, fraud and changing of the election laws illegally, and I think a thorough investigation is warranted. I think the senator missed an opportunity there. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But let's talk about George Stephanopoulos. What you just heard, folks, the reason I wanted you to hear it this morning, I guarantee some of you who are out there that are listening that are very hardcore conservatives, you were going, yeah, yeah, get them, get them. Get them. But that doesn't mean the content was okay coming from George Stephanopoulos. It wasn't. My background is journalism. I'm a writer, a journalist, broadcast journalist. I always look at both sides of every story. Whenever we have problems in our personal lives that come up, and, you know, we have, we have three kids, we have sons-in-laws, we have grandchildren, we have mothers-in-law and fathers-in-law, every family does that. And when you bring that many people together, you know there are going to be opposing opinions about a lot of things. And if you want to have peace in the family, you just understand that there are going to be differing opinions. 
And when there are, if they're of real substance and life-changing kind of things, of course you're going to get into back and forth on these things, expressing opinions. But Stephanopoulos just illustrated the fact that he and those in the media today, and I'm talking about television, radio, newsprint, internet, everybody. I'm throwing myself in this part of the conversation. Anybody that inserts themselves in a story and something you're bringing to your audience, if you insert yourself and your opinion in that, you're no longer a journalist. You're somebody that is a political hack. In this case, and for a lot of other things, George Stephanopoulos, he's been a hack since he got his job at ABC News. And he's just being who he is. Rand Paul expresses the opinions of tens of millions of Americans whose mouths have been shut by the mainstream media who have done nothing but pile on, denigrate, curse, defame, destroy the lives of millions of Americans who dare to stand up and say, that election in 2020, November 3rd, I think it was stolen. You just heard George Stephanopoulos take on Senator Rand Paul again and again and again. Stephanopoulos wouldn't address what Paul was saying. Here's where I think Senator Paul missed it. He should have made George Stephanopoulos admit that there are wrongdoings that have been exposed in this election. There were people that cheated. That's been proven. That is unquestionable. That's not coming from a journalist. That's coming from government people in a bunch of states that oversee elections and oversaw that November 3rd, 2020 election. There's a bunch of it out there. If I was Rand Paul, I would have said, George, tell me and tell the American people that are listening in today, tell me how many votes is okay to you to be cheat votes. What percentage of an election, a national election, a state, a local election, what percentage is okay for you to make us just accept it? And whatever, whoever says that's in control of telling us what the results were, say, you just benignly sit down and shut up and forget about the cheating. What level of cheating is acceptable to you as an American? If I think if he had put Stephanopoulos on point for that, I think the conversation would have ended a little differently because you know what? That's what a lot of Americans that look at that election, and it wasn't so much the way or or whether there was a bunch of cheating in there. It was the very obvious in your face where we looked in, in large part. Remember what was going on in Georgia? The vote counting debacle that happened afterwards? We saw We actually saw, by watching it on television, we saw voter cheating carried out on camera by people that were counting in that election room. How many ballots were cheat ballots? We don't know. We'll probably never know. But the fact that somebody like George Stephanopoulos in that kind of position 
where there are millions of people that watch ABC News and just believe it because they've been conditioned over a period of time. ABC News, that's one of the big three networks. we got to believe what they're showing us and telling us. They've conditioned mainstream media, hardcore leftist media. They're not stupid. In fact, in most cases, they're brilliant. I will not put George Stephanopoulos in the brilliant category because I don't think he is. I don't think he was good when he worked in the Clinton administration. I think he's nothing more than just a mouthpiece, a puppet for the hard left. And I think he purposely does it. I think he was taught what and how to handle Senator Rand Paul in this interview. I think they knew it was not something that happened off the cuff. It was planned. And George was told, somebody at ABC News told George Stephanopoulos, make him admit that that November 3rd election on air, make him admit it, that it was not stolen. See, the world they live in is there, there are not absolutes. They're not absolutes. It's okay for there to be something a little bit different from the truth that they hold as being completely the answer to these things because they feel that way. You must just agree with them. Oh, yeah, there were there were some irregularities, but there were not enough to change the outcome of the election. They don't know that. There was not a single one of those cases that was filed Not one, not a single one. He said 86. I don't know what the number was. But what I do know is in none of the cases that were filed, was there ever an evidentiary hearing in which the people who filed the lawsuit were given an opportunity to present evidence in court to justify their claim? Every one of them was dismissed, not based upon evidence, but based upon whoever filed the suit, did not have standing under law to file those suits. And do you think, if it was 86, do you think there was no coordination in how those cases were to be handled in these courts? It was interesting that all of these questions arose in only those battleground states, six battleground states, Every one of those states governed by hardcore Democrat leftists. Most of the judges in those states that were hearing those cases, folks, you only get appointed a judge. Only appointment comes for judges in the federal courts, in the federal judiciary system. Federal judges and, of course, the U.S. Supreme Court. In those states... They all run for election, which means they're obligated. They each would stand up and say, I'm not letting any of my campaign contributors have any sway in any of the decisions that I make. I'm committed to the law, the rule of law. That drives everything I do. Horse hockey. If I give you a $1,000 campaign contribution and something comes up in litigation that directly impacts me or my political persuasion, you're going to at least have a conversation with me 
obligation is a huge mismanaged piece of our judiciary system. I believe every judge at every level should not run for election. There should be no election. It should be appointed by governors at the state level and as it's been done for the U.S. Supreme Court since we've had one, a president nominates somebody for a Supreme Court justice spot and the Senate confirms them. Therefore, they have no ties, no obligations to any campaign contributors. Human nature is built around quid pro quo. Even when a baby is first born, when that baby gets to understand who's the person that's going to feed me, who's the person that's going to change my diaper, who's going to make sure that I'm in the right place at the right time, there's obligation there. Human nature teaches us that. Sycophants like George Stephanopoulos, they just benignly expect everybody to ignore that human trait and just listen to what they have to say simply because we've appointed ourselves to be the arbiters of the truth and we're the arbiters of what's going to be acceptable and what's not acceptable. In this case, the November 3rd election, November 3rd, 2020. You know, at the end of all this, the only thing that concerns me, I believe they've exposed themselves ad nauseum to the American people since November 3rd last year. What scares me is this happened, we know, in those six battleground states. How many other states did it happen in? How many states have taken the bull by the horns and actually gone in and passed legislation to fix the little things that they know happened. And how's that going to impact our election 11 months from now when every member of the United States Congress is up for re-election or open spots are having people campaigning, running for, and asking people to vote for them next November. We've got to make sure our election process our system, state by state, it's got to remain there. This voter thing that's pending, voter rights bill that's pending at the federal level, the only big thing in it, the one that consumes every other part of it, is the federal government would take over our election system. And I can tell you this, we'd never see an election again where our vote actually counted. You can bet that is the truth. What's going to happen? We're watching it closely, including I am right here in my own state, because we just went through a process here where a Republican secretary of state experiencing all kinds of pressure from the heavyweights from above. And when I say heavyweights from above, I'm talking about people with a lot of money. And they just created a situation where Dominion voting systems is going to be involved in our election process in Louisiana going forward. Dominion Voting Systems, which is owned now, listen to this, by the Chinese Communist Party who bought controlling interest in Dominion Voting Systems' parent company. Fact. Fact. That is not a conspiracy theory. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. 
It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. How to improve your dining room by the Home Depot. New wood floors, new paint on the walls. Sure, you know us for that. But how about a new dining room table, matching chairs, bar stools? How about free and flexible delivery with easy online returns? Now you can explore decor in a whole new way. Save now on furniture. Everything for your home. Everything from homedepot.com. How doers get more done. U.S. only valid through September 7th. Limitations apply. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water. Vitamin water. Regular water. Vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. You know, while we're on this subject, before we get back to um, the stuff that we're going to get into, if time allows in this show, I think I think it's very important for us to continue to look at the factual things and get clarity in our opinions and thoughts about all this fodder that's being fed to us by the left uh, through their media sycophants, the mainstream media. And one thing we've got to get straight is how the media actually are doing the job that they're doing. And one thing that kind of illustrates it is their reaction to let's go Brandon. Now, I hate to go this far out in the weeds, but I want to illustrate and compare exactly the differences between the way media handled factual uh, things, everything to do with elections, to do with governing, to do with what everyday things happen coming from Washington, D.C., how the narrative always changes and is exactly 180 degrees away from when it's a conservative group that are controlling government in Washington and going to a progressive, which I hate that term, for members of the Democrat Party. There's very little progressive about their philosophies. Let's call them liberal. No, let's just call them leftist. Let's just call them hacks. But I, I, I listened to what I'm about to play for you, and I just shook my head. I cannot believe there are people that actually feel this way. Remember how Donald Trump was treated by the media during the entirety of his four years, and even for a year and a half before he was elected. 
They just bashed him with no substance or no basis to do so. Compare that to what these political media hacks are saying about the phrase, let's go Brandon. The mainstream media, I mean, a quiet insurrection to say let's Democrats and the media may have spent over four years screaming profanities at President Trump or giving him the finger or having celebrity elites like Kathy Griffin holding an effigy of the president's severed head. But now that Trump isn't in office, Democrats decided now is the time to be the party of civility, since something far worse is now here. I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Uh, Merry Christmas and let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. If you ask the media elites, let's go, Brandon, isn't just a dig at the president of the United States. It's much more dangerous than that. The asymmetry of saying F you to a sitting president on a call in front of your four kids. Don't look past this. Don't look at this as a story about giving airtime to a MAGA guy. This is the slow motion insurrection. Let's go Brandon isn't about what you feel about supply chain issues and gas. It is the cry of insurrectionists. It is the cry of people who want to violently take over this country and oppress anyone who is not like them. Seems like the media's new profound sense of civility is just another way to save their elites, like Joe Biden and Dr. Fauci, from rightful deserved scorn. Here now, host of The Liz Wheeler Show, Liz Wheeler, and The Daily Caller editorial director, Vince Colonnese. Uh, Liz, I think that this is a situation where, regardless of what you feel about uh, people expressing their opinion of the president in this context, I think that you know uh, the Christmas call might not be the necessary appropriate way to, to say it. The reaction from the media is that this type of thing is a deep and dangerous uh, reality within America that ought to be investigated and people ought to be hunted down and exposed for expressing their views, uh, even using words that can be shared within polite society. This was not their attitude for the last five years, it seemed like, uh, when it came to Donald Trump and the way that the media treated him and certainly Hollywood treated him as well. Right. Of course not. I mean, as you mentioned, they uh, essentially applauded Kathy Griffin when she held up a uh, a severed head or obviously an invented, not not a real severed head, but the severed head of President Trump. They applauded this. They thought this was avant-garde. They thought this was pithy. They thought this was cute. The hypocrisy is obvious here, but the words of the mainstream media, I mean, a quiet insurrection to say, let's go, Brandon, to the president, to use Joe Biden's words here, come on, man. You, As you said, you can debate whether this is a respectful thing to say to the president of the United States, but the important thing, Ben, is there's a reason he felt like he needed to say it directly to the president. He felt like he needed to say it because he feels like he's being screwed over by the Biden administration. And this is a this is a view shared by a lot of the American people. They feel like they are being left behind. They feel like they're being ignored and they feel like when they voice their problems to their elected officials that they're ignored. So, yes, you can argue that it's disrespectful. Sure, it probably is. But it also speaks to something deeper among the American people, something important that they feel left behind by their elected officials. You know, Vince, uh, there was something there that uh, uh, was said by the MSNBC contributor uh, that I think is is pretty troubling. This this idea that you know uh, the this expression is in, in, is not driven by you know frustrations over the economy or frustrations with the policies of the Biden administration. That instead it represents some kind of of creeping and 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 virulent a- attitude toward uh, the very republic that we inhabit as citizens. 
I find that to be completely insulting, uh, you know, on its face. But also, it seems to me part of their denial process in saying that no one could actually think this because their small business has been ruined, because the Biden economic policies have set them back, because they see what inflation is doing uh, in their communities. And that, to me, is just it's completely absurd. I had the same thought when I saw this. That guy saying that this was an act of violence and this is a, uh, the steps towards an insurrection. It is a harmless moment. And that this guy, this guy was actually in this relation, this con, the conversation with the president of the United States. Uh, you know, he actually had a really nice conversation with him. I thought it was a little weird, actually, the tone shift at the end where he goes, "Let's go, Brandon." Uh, I, I think he just took his opportunity because he wanted to impress his buddies and his wife, who doesn't like Joe Biden, and convey what you're talking about—that really, that really palpable frustration with the Biden administration. But the idea that on MSNBC, where they've created this fantasy world where Joe Biden can do no wrong, where nobody would be upset about out-of-control inflation. Nobody would be upset about the way we got out of Afghanistan and let people die in the process. Nobody would be upset about our collapsing southern border. No one would be upset about the state of COVID when we were promised that this virus would shut down. It's not possible for someone to criticize Biden unless they're captivated by a cult. This is a media distortion filter on display, and they're asking their audience to believe something that is just completely untrue. It's disgraceful, uh, but unfortunately, it's become routine. And you heard from those far leftists what they have to say about somebody expressing their opinion. And of course, it's not okay if you're a conservative or if you're somebody that wants the rule of law to be enacted and enforced across the board for everybody in the United States. If you like those things and you don't believe what you're told, then your opinion does not matter. Your opinion has nothing to do with facts, has nothing to do with truth. It's just your opinion, and you're not supposed to have it. And then if you're of that ilk, the ilk that believes that looking down and talking down to everybody and about everybody that's not as enlightened as you, you adopt a mindset that allows you to feel it's okay for you to say this, exactly this. You know, under this president's leadership, he has overseen the greatest resurgence in an economy in his first year in office, you know, greater than any other president that we know of. So what I believe is we, we just have to stay at it and continue to create good jobs, continue to unstick the supply chain, continue to get folks vaccinated, and over time, people will start to feel better about that. Um, That's the third time you've heard that today. <laughs> and it rings true when we talk about anything and everything we discuss here at TNN Live. They live in la-la land. There is no realistic person that can put a realistic spin on whatever Biden has done that has got us to be in the situation we're in economically. And it's not just exclusive to economy. It's not. It's across the board. Our health care, our foreign policy, everything to do with the labor market and jobs. What about federal law regarding immigration? This president and everybody that works for him that has anything to do with immigration, they just totally turned their backs away from the rule of law and legally passed immigration laws, legally passed and implemented 
by the United States Congress, the only entity that can do that, and signed into law by presidents that served before Joe Biden. Do you get where I'm going with this? There is a massive push to take us down the rabbit hole to totalitarianism. Now, they'll paint it. I just, I guess last night, I heard Hillary Clinton giving a speech. It was written, and she was reading her words, and she actually said, we are facing an authoritarian government in our nation. Now, she didn't elaborate. I don't know who she was speaking of, but she is the person that has been in the tank for authoritarian governance the whole time I've known who she was. She thinks government should be bigger. She thinks that government should control not just some things, but everything, and that those who end up being in government, whether they're appointed or whether they're hired out of an administration or departments in our government, doesn't matter if you're in the government. You're a god. You're in the spot where you have the right, the arbitrary right, and it's arbitrary for whatever you or your bosses think is okay. Forget about the rule of law. Forget about the freedoms. Forget about those first 10 amendments that guarantee and tell the government, hey, you can't touch these things. These things belong exclusively to the American people. And everything in your life today, I mean everything, is being ratcheted down tighter and tighter with the control uh, control hack that they put around our throats and our necks. And they want more and more and more of that. For instance, did you know that according to the New York Times COVID data tracker, Washington, D.C. today leads the U.S. in reporting the highest daily average of coronavirus cases per 100,000 people, clocking in at 279. And guess who's right behind Washington, D.C.? New York. 175 cases per 100,000 people. Now, why is this important in the context of what we're talking right now about? Well, it's about ratchet down and control, factual, truthful. None of that matters when you come to politics in the United States, when you come to control. Washington, D.C. and New York are are, and have been. They are today, and they have been for a long time. The most heavily locked down, most heavily brutally controlled cities and state in the country regarding COVID-19, everything to do with it. Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York, he's the worst mayor in American history as far as I'm concerned. How the people of New York let him get in that power position initially and then actually re-elected him is beyond me. I can't even understand it. None of it works. None of those actions work. They're case numbers And the results that come from getting these infections in larger numbers, the virus is just laughing at them regarding, you got to wear a mask. You've got to be vaccinated. You can't even go in and eat without having proof of being vaccinated in New York City. Washington, D.C. is close to getting to that. And it's not working. But you know what? That doesn't matter to these people. 
Bill de Blasio doesn't care. The mayor of Washington, D.C., she doesn't care. The new governor of New York State, Kathy Hochul, she doesn't care. It's not about the results. It's only about flexing the muscles of power and control. New York was once the U.S. epicenter of COVID-19. They've endured lockdowns out the wazoo. They now face further restrictions. The governor recently issued an ultimatum to businesses in the state. Under her rule, businesses either need to check the vaccination status of people that come to their places of business or require masks across the board. There's no in-between. It's so egregious and so widely unaccepted, some counties have said they're not going to comply with her rule. She promised millions in assistance to those that follow her orders, follow the money. It's all about money. Hey, if you pay them, if you give them money, give them those dollars, you know, those taxpayer dollars, and they'll do exactly what you tell them to do. So her office, not the governor, her office last week backtracked after the Democrat governor suggested the state would also send state inspectors to provide spot checks for counties to ensure their compliance. Her office later clarified that enforcement will be done, quote, by local health departments. Oh my gosh. Muriel Bowser, she does the same thing. She's now forcing all employees in Washington, D.C., contractors, interns, grantees of D.C. government. you got to be fully vaccinated and boosted. No test-out option is available. And it all is pointed for what? Well, they tell us it's pointed toward we've got to kill this virus. These are the only ways it works. You've got to get vaccinated. Vaccinations don't work. The only way to stop it is to get vaccinated. You got to wear a mask all the time. Masks don't stop it. My own nephew, he's in seclusion today. He lives and works in New York. He's been COVID vaccinated, had boosters. After he did all that, he got COVID. Now that's not supposed to happen, is it? A young, healthy, 20-something, right at 30 years old, No pre-existing conditions whatsoever. He follows the rules, gets vaccinated, gets boosters, gets COVID, gets through it, working, doing his thing. Guess what? He gets COVID again. But you know what? They dismiss all of that. A realistic thinking person, especially one that's in government, that's over a town, a city, a state, a country, a real leader would look at that and say, this is not right. This just isn't working. What we've been told by the healthcare experts is turning out to be in large, not some, but in large part, it's been wrong. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again and again, but thinking next time we do it, it's going to, It's going to turn out different. That is insane. That's what we're living with. We American people, we're caught. 
We're caught. Our leaders have always been presented to us. These are the people you voted for. These are the people you chose to lead you. And so sometimes you make bad choices too. So you got to live with it for the next two years or four years or six years, whichever the case is. Uh, let, me, let, me just go, let me just go biblical to you for a second. We know the story of the nation of Israel. We know how the children of Israel, the Jews, were in captivity in Egypt. They were slaves. God raised Moses up to come be the, the guide for them, the leader for them, to get them out of Egypt and get them headed towards what's now the nation of Israel. You remember all that story. In the process of that happening, God provided some dramatic miracles to the people of Israel. There were approximately, it's estimated to be about a million Jews that left Egypt heading through the desert to get to what's now Israel. So you can think of all kinds of different natural problems that are going to come from a million people leaving a country and the problems they're going to have along the way. And I'm not talking about invaders or people storming them and killing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the simple things like eating (laughs) food. They didn't have any way to get food. They just griped, as you can imagine. We don't have any food. You let us out of Egypt. We got to have food to eat. God provided miracles for that. Every morning when they woke up, they went out and laying on the grass, it developed overnight food. They needed meat. So God would send birds to fly in for them to eat, to have meat and bread. Miracle after miracle, the Red Sea. Everybody's seen the Ten Commandments. You've seen how the Red Sea parted. They walked across on dry ground. And then in battles, once they were headed towards the Promised Land, all those kind of things were there and happened. Human nature gets in the way. Human nature very seldom on its own dictates finding and sticking to the actual facts of anything and everything. That just doesn't come naturally to us. We make the choices whether to embrace that process or to turn and walk away from it. And folks, we're caught in an environment right now today where those leaders are just ratcheting down every day getting tighter, more restrictive on the people that they govern. And they're just foaming at the mouth. They are so excited at the power that they have. You remember back, um, I guess it was during the Obama administration, when it became more and more obvious that there were agencies in our intelligence community that had quietly seized the power to spy on Americans. And of course, they denied that was happening again and again. We see and we found and we've lived through instances where it's been confirmed that's what they were doing. You know why they were doing it? Because they could. Not because they should or had the legal authority or power to do it, but because it was allowed by who was ever leading their bosses at that time. And they liked that control. If we think that pushing into this environment and moving forward in it, it's just going to work out on its own. There's not a place in history where that's happened. There have been lots of places in history 
that have turned into this before. Where we're headed as the United States, unless we the people get in this thing and get active in this thing and exercise our right to vote and demand that our votes be counted, legally counted, we're headed down the same paths as we've seen people in the nations, the island nation of Cuba as an example, Nicaragua, Colombia, overseas, China, Vietnam, Cambodia, the Middle East. The people allow those power-seeking government people that are put in office in whatever country and whatever type of government there is to seize control and to ratchet down on the people, just like this government is doing to us today. The one thing I didn't mention when Rand Paul and George Stephanopoulos were at each other's throat in that new uh, uh, Christmas Eve segment that we brought you the audio from was it wasn't mentioned. And Rand Paul is one of the biggest purveyors of getting government out of our lives, more and more out of our lives. That wasn't mentioned. But it illustrates, it illustrates the mindset of people on the other side of the political aisle who think they are endowed by whoever or whatever I don't know. Maybe it's the quote-unquote 80 million people that voted for Biden, and you and I both know there were not 80 million people that voted for Joe Biden in November. Can I prove that? Nope. But you know what? They're not going to let everybody investigate. They're not going to let a true investigation happen because they know in their hearts, they know the outcome that was presented to us as being the fair outcome of the election. They know it wasn't. And as you heard, George Stephanopoulos beat Rand Paul over the head with, they'll never accept it. They'll never allow it. Therefore, in taking that mindset, breaking the law, looking at our southern border, and not demanding the rule of law be enforced by this president and those who work for him, making that not just okay, making it acceptable and changing the law without changing the law. That's not just going to continue to be allowed as is. It's going to get worse and worse and worse until the people say we've had enough and act on their we had enough of this and stop it. Can that happen? Will it happen? Two different things. Yeah, it can happen. Will it happen? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Look what happened when they started pushing back so hard on people complaining about the election results. I mean, folks, 80-plus lawsuits were filed, every one of them thrown out of court, not because the evidence proved there was no cheating. We never got to the evidence. Those judges threw it out because they didn't want to go down that road. Unless the people in mass want to go down that road and find out exactly what happens and how broken the election systems in their states are, we're going to go down that road again and again and again. And before long, I told you this over a year ago, the Democrat Party is going to try to dull the effect and the impact of legal elections 
And eventually they want to take elections out of the picture totally. Well, that can never happen, Dan. It's constitutional. None of what they did in those six battle states was constitutional. You heard Rand Paul talking about those secretaries of state and even some governors, the governor of Pennsylvania. They stepped in. The Constitution clearly states, it's not even an interpretation, it clearly states that the election process is to be governed solely by the legislatures. They didn't use the term legislatures. They said the lawmakers in each of the 50 states. But here we are now. We're considering a voter rule in the U.S. Congress in which they want to seize control at the federal level, take the responsibility and the operations of all the elections away from the states and put it in Washington, D.C. It can't be done legally. It's in the Constitution. The only way you can change the Constitution is to amend the Constitution. Yes, that can be done. There's a legal process to do it, and that does not include government authorities or media hacks getting on their bully pulpits and saying, we're going to change the election process. Damn the Constitution and what it says. We're going down this road. Why? Because the people have given us power. And the people, by giving us that power, are telling us, we want you to make sole decisions for everything to do with our election processes. And the Democrats, of course, what they'll do, and maybe those in the Republican Party as well, I don't know who will try it if and when it happens, but what they're all going to say is, look what happened. Look at all the noise. Look at all the, the disruption in our lives happened because there were people that they believed the big lie. That's what they termed, those on the left termed, what Donald Trump said about the November 3rd, 2020 election. They'll use that as ammunition to justify this. Listen closely. We're going to go to a break right after this, but listen closely to what they're going to justify. Quote, we've got to take control of the elections in Washington, D.C. because there's so much disarray and so much false information that's passed around. People not trusting the election system? Come on. We can't have this happen ever again. So here's what we're going to do. You elected us. We're going to make the choices for who serves in government in every spot so you don't have to mess with that anymore. And you can finally relax knowing that the people you put up here are the ones that are going to make sure that you're taken care of and that everything that's being done is going to be done the way that you want it. You're going to hear that. Maybe not this year. Maybe not in 2022. But you're going to hear that, and it's going to be pushed and pushed hard. They're going to try to sell it to a majority of the American people. Are we going to sit and just let it happen? I'm not going to, but I'm just one voice. What about you? The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. Walk, crawl, or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. 
But act now or later, because these Staples Everyday Price Cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These Everyday Price Cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing, everyday price cuts. Thank you. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. Clarity of thought. Clarity of vision. Clarity of message. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. Again, Dan Newman. So let me give you um, a little illustration of what we were just talking about in that segment before we went to break. We're told by the leaders in Washington, especially it it became the most obvious when we started dealing with COVID-19 and all of the fallout. They tell us again and again, we, we look for guidance to our neighbors to the east. This entire thing, it came from the east. It's flowing across the globe from east to west. And so we learn our lessons by watching what they do in Europe. Now, I think you'll, you'll agree that not everything that's happened in Europe has been a good thing. But they're pointing to what the European politicians are doing, and they're trying to sell us on the fact we should do the same thing. In a leaked New Year message to his staff, the European Union's internal market commissioner, Terry Breton has outlined plans. He put it in writing for a single market emergency instrument is what he called it. It'll have a toolbox of measures for this purpose in order to ensure the security of supply during a crisis. Now listen to what that means. These measures he talked about are expected to be proposed in this coming spring in just a couple of months, folks, and are believed to potentially include controls on experts, exports, and also new powers for the EU to obtain information from companies on production, on stockpiles, and their supply chains. This is reported, believe it or not, in Politico, one of the farthest left newspapers there is. In this message, Breton justified a need for the new power by stating that the European Union will not allow corporate interest to interfere with the greater interest of the European people. Now, what's bubbling beneath those words that he said? 
these evil corporations. They're only about one thing, making money for the very few people that are serving on their boards of directors that are getting hellaciously massive amounts of compensation directly. But then they're the owners of most of the stock, those evil people there. And everyday Europeans, they don't have a chance. Does that sound eerily similar to what we're being told here? European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen has also expressed her desire for an EU single market emergency instrument to help, in her words, fast-track decisions whenever a critical situation emerges. Now, who defines what that critical situation is? The one that needs and requires and demands that the government come in and take control. While this system would be different, new, several European Union member states have already attempted to seize private goods destined for other nations in the name of doing it. We've got to do it to take care of our people during the pandemic. France was accused of displaying a lack of European solidarity when it was alleged to have blocked a shipment of hundreds of thousands of masks going to Italy and Spain. And their justification was, got to bolster domestic supplies here in France. France also targeted the United Kingdom with aggressive requisition policies that included when the Macron government seized three British lorries carrying 130,000 masks and hand sanitizer that was going to the UK healthcare workers. The healthcare supplies were eventually allowed to be transported to Britain, but didn't happen until the UK government stepped in. At that time, former Conservative Party leader Sir Ian Duncan Smythe commented on the ordeal, saying this, This shows you all you need to know about European cooperation. So following a lack of support from the EU during the pandemic at the very beginning, Italy was forced to rely on, guess who? China for their assistance after their neighbors in the EU initially refused to sell Italy personal protective equipment, PPE, and even ventilators. In March of last year, Germany also banned the export of all medical protective gear like masks, gloves, and biohazard suits because of their fears of shortages in their company, in their country. The European Union threatened to block vaccine deliveries to the UK in March of this year after Britain managed to place a vaccine pre-order with AstraZeneca before the European Union did. French President Macron demanded at the time that the EU should block all exports for as long as some drug companies don't respect their commitments with Europeans. Now let me put this in U.S. context. Just imagine, right now, I can hear and see something like this happening. Maybe not about supplies for COVID-19 treatment but maybe about something else that's critical right now, like uh, fuel, gasoline, uh, like groceries. Can you picture somebody or some people in Washington, D.C., joining forces with these heavyweight 
far-left governors in states like New York, Illinois, California, Washington State, joining forces with them and saying, listen, we got more people in our combination of states than any other block in the United States. We are in this to make sure that our people, because there are more of us than there are of you, there you go with the divisiveness, we're going to take the number one position at the front of the line, and you'll get what we don't use. And so California's got the two biggest ports where more ship traffic comes in from Asia and other parts of that part of the world, bringing goods and products into the United States. They just grab them. That's California. Hard left state, most populated state, barely over Texas. So they should be, in their minds, they should be the first to get access to all these things. On the East Coast, there's New York. Just to the east of New York, northeast is Massachusetts, another big, hard leftist control state. Don't say this kind of stuff won't happen. Look at what's happening in Europe, folks. Those people lived through World War II in which we went in and we gave them the ability to make sure they were going to maintain and were able to maintain their lack of concerns we took away from them. We set them free. We set them free. We gave them liberty and the ability to make their governments be what the people in those nations each wanted that government to be instead of having a hardcore dictator like Mussolini in Italy and Hitler in Germany and Stalin in Russia to come in and just take over and control everything. We're looking at that repeating itself on the world stage, not just in Europe. But they're going to try to do that kind of stuff here. I guarantee it. It'll be brought up for conversation. It may come cloaked a little differently, maybe flowery, much more flowery and appeasing than what I just did explain to you. But what did Palin say? in her run as vice president to take on the Obama-Biden presidency or try to? What did she say about it? You can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. Totalitarianism, authoritarianism, you can call it whatever you want to, but it's still totalitarian. It really kind of surprised me yesterday when some of the media began to finally admit that Joe Biden failed when he didn't shut down the COVID crisis amid the Omicron variant and his shortest of tests, we don't have them. After he promised in 2020 he was going to shut down the virus, not the country, the media noticed that Biden conceded on Monday. You remember this? In that interview, he said, there is no federal solution to shut down the pandemic. More than nine months later, He is now admitting not enough has been done. CNN wrote that, critiquing its allies in the White House. Biden and his team repeatedly promised more COVID-19 testing. Jen Psaki, we played uh, the confrontation by Fox News reporter with Jen Psaki on Monday, and the 
White House press briefing asking, basically asked this, you tell us you're going to have half a billion tests in the hands of all Americans immediately. You said you'd have it all done in January, that you were going out and you are creating a website for them to be able to go online and order the tests that they need. You don't have a contract sign. You don't have a contract with the company to provide 500 million tests. And you're telling us today, just days before January starts, you're telling the American people this is all going to be done in January? And Jen Psaki just doubled down on stupid. Her explanation was, right now, you've got to look at what we have done right now. There are 20,000 test sites around the nation that have tests to give to the American people. Now, you put that number, 20,000 is a big number. That represents a lot of anything, 20,000 of it, except maybe dollars. (laughs) But you put that in the context of 338 million Americans, 20,000 test sites doesn't go very far. But she even doubled down in her response saying, we're going to have this testing done. We're going to have these tests in the hands of America. CNN said, ah, not so much. Not so much. The Washington Post, it wasn't just CNN. Washington Post, remember they criticized Trump for his poor handling of the COVID pandemic and his divisive bullying conduct in office. They've now turned their sights toward, guess who? Joe Biden for floundering and breaking his promises. The president made a bet in March that vaccination could return the country to some semblance of normalcy, promising a summer of freedom. WAPO wrote that. But as a Delta variant emerged, the highly transmissible strain tore through our country outpacing the speed of our vaccination efforts. Sadly, what we saw this week was an administration floundering and a president not in command of facts or willing to shift course in any substantial way on the pandemic. And in the Wall Street Journal, they reminded its readers Monday that Biden had stated, anyone who is responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States of America. Biden's words referencing the people who have died by COVID at the hands of, he said, but during the last year of the Trump presidency. Oh, if anybody, any president does that, they need to resign in shame. And now he's looking at a situation where he's had more deaths on his watch than Donald Trump had on his watch. And Biden's problems have been in the wake of there being vaccinations all across the nation that Joe Biden said we're going to cure and kill the COVID-19 pandemic. It hasn't. He was wrong. The Wall Street Journal said he was wrong last year when he suggested that any politician had the power to control the pandemic. Now that Biden's in office as the Omicron variant refuses to be shut down, it would be a politically convenient time for him to acknowledge the virus reality. That is a conundrum. I wouldn't use the name or the verbiage 
of any reality and Joe Biden in the same sentence because he lives in la-la land. We don't know where that is, and I think he doesn't even know where he is. Oh, my gosh, the insanity. It just goes on and on and on. But Biden wouldn't finish Monday when he said that. I think his people got to him, and they told him, you can't let that stand. you got to go back in and clean it up. So he did. He did yesterday. He sent out a tweet. Everybody knows when the president tweets something, everybody's got to stand up, especially this president. He tweeted that his administration is behind every governor across the U.S. as they combat the pandemic and bragged about a federal plan to address the growing Omicron surge. Quote, My administration has the backs of every governor fighting COVID-19 in their state. Last week, he tweeted, I rolled out a federal plan to tackle Omicron by adding vaccination and booster capacity, adding hospital equipment, staff, and more. We're going to get through this by working together, he added. No preparation, no planning. Just like Jen Psaki, when she was finally confronted about our problem of getting supplies to our stores and to the American people. In a press briefing, she was confronted and she said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. There were supply chain issues when the president was elected. This didn't just happen. No, it didn't. But it was being handled by the White House then. Presidential Joe Biden hadn't come around at that particular time. It was Donald Trump, a businessman. Jen Psaki, she lied when she said, we've been working on this from before the president was even inaugurated. Working on a plan. They haven't told us what their plan is for doing that yet. They haven't told, they gave us uh, a skeleton plan. Oh, we've got a website. It's about to go live. It's going to be so that Americans can order these tests. Online, they'll get them that way. And we've got 500 million of those tests in the pipeline that'll be here any day now. The website's not gone live. Even if there is one that has been being built, we don't know that. That's what they say. And we don't have any 500 million tests anywhere or a contract with any company to produce them. And they're telling us they're going to have it all rolled out during the month of January. Let me just say this. Folks, this president needs to leave office now. He cannot handle the job. He is not handling the job. He is losing the confidence of the American people, and his actions are costing us billions, hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars, Because everything he has touched in government has turned to crap. And that means all of our resources, our personal, our business, and our government resources, he's using, he's spending, he's abusing and wasting, not for the American people, but for his political fellow hacks. That is a factual statement. 
everybody who serves as president. I respect the office. I respect them being elected to serve in that capacity. And as the Bible teaches me, I pray for this president every day. And I do. I'm in a prayer meeting every morning at 6 a.m. And I pray for President Biden when I'm in that prayer meeting. But that doesn't mean that we sit by and make it okay and just benignly accept the fact that because this guy is performing in an egregious fashion and is not even close to dealing with facts, but is letting political partisanship control all of his decisions. That's not okay. I pray for him spiritually. But folks, I don't accept the things that he's doing and things that he has done. Nor would I accept it if Donald Trump had done anything to this degree or even close to this degree that this president is doing. He's got a bunch of people up there that are running the boat. He's not the captain of the ship. He may have the title, but he's not the one calling the shots. He's not the one making the decisions. And I think those who are doing those things are the ones that are putting plans together and shipping them down to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue for Joe to publicly roll out, I think they're laughing their butts off at him. I think they're making fun of him. I think they like him to be failing like he is. You know why? Because they want to be the party, the group, the ones in charge that bring in the night. The shining knight riding into the U.S. on a white stallion that's going to fix everything. Some people think that would be the Antichrist. (laughs) I have no idea. I'm not looking for an Antichrist. I'm going to trust God to handle that situation when that happens. And it will happen. I don't think it'll be an American. I don't think so but I may be wrong. Nevertheless, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for the United States to go back to what it was founded to be, be of the people, by the people, and for the people, and not of and by and for politicians and their supporters. That's the way it is. We're done here today, folks. (laughs) The day is over. We thank you so much for joining us. You guys have a great midweek, Wednesday. This song, it's a good one. Listen to this on the way out. See you tomorrow, folks.